You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode, talking to Kurt Fleischfrasher today, who is the chef at Bass, um, you know, that giant building in the middle of Oklahoma City, has a restaurant on top of it. Uh, Kurt, thanks for joining me. I'm excited to talk about, you know, your background in, in food and cooking in the restaurant industry, uh, as well as in particular, talk about Chef's Feast. But welcome to the podcast. And for everyone listening, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, well, uh, I did a classic uh, French-style apprenticeship under a chef who trained under Paul Bocuse and the Twelve Brothers. Uh, and this was in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and I've been in this business for over 40 years. Uh, I moved back to Oklahoma um, in 88. Uh, started the Skirvin Plaza, uh, working with Michelle Boothion, was food and beverage director. And uh, then went within, I did about a year there. And then, uh, and I was chef to cuisine. So I had the restaurant and we kept Michelle let me do what I wanted on the menu, which is a lot of fun. And then I went to the coach house and worked with Chris Lauer. And then uh, Chris and I proceeded to open about 20 restaurants, one every six months. Uh, you know, the Metro being the first one, the Iguana Lounge, uh, Earl's Rib Palace, Irma's Burger Shack, uh, Museum Cafe, uh, Mango, Ground Floor Cafes, uh, just a lot of restaurants and it was a lot of fun. We had, it was a great time yeah. to be in Oklahoma, actually. No doubt. That's a, that's a lot. I mean, that's a busy time for sure. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. What, from, from the start, what kind of gets you into cooking and wanting to be a chef? Like, did you grow up, you know, with mom in the kitchen or dad in the kitchen? Like how, how do you get to, you know, being no. growing up as a kid and going uh, to the chef route? My mom hates this, but she was never a great cook. Uh, but my grandmother was, and when I'd spend uh, uh, a couple weeks with my grandmother, uh, you know, we'd eat great food. We'd have fried potatoes with every meal because that's what my grandfather wanted. But we really ate good food. But, you know, I, I kind of started from the science aspect of it. You know, when I was a little kid, I was thinking, how does how do those vegetables stay suspended in soup and things like that? And then as my, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the people that you work with, you know, uh, they're, they're, you know, I, I don't think I could sit at a desk for very long. And especially when I was younger, uh, I enjoyed the camaraderie and, and, you know, the immediate gratification, you know, you make something nice and somebody says, wow, I love that. That's amazing. You know, or, so that, that was pretty good. And this was before it was cool to be a chef. Actually, <laughs> this was, uh, I mean, this profession was pretty much by default for years uh, but I liked it. And as soon as I decided I liked it, that's when I went to do my apprenticeship. I, I heard about a great uh, restaurant in Illinois that was maybe the best restaurant in the world, but for sure the best restaurant in the United States, uh, Le Francais in Wheeling, Illinois. And they said they had 14 chefs uh, working in the kitchen and they only did about 75 covers. Well, the restaurant I'm working on was Sullivan's on Reno. And we had three guys serving 250 to 300 people a night. So I thought, well, this has got to be something to check out. So I, I uh, actually took some time off. I uh, borrowed my father-in-law's diesel rabbit 
drove up there and said that they started at 10 30 in the morning i walked in the back of that restaurant at 10 30 there's a guy with a goatee stirring a skim in a pot and i it was chef shown by shea and i walked up to him and said chef Boshe, i want to be a great chef like yourself one day and oh say bo you know and he proceeded he didn't have a spot he introduced me to a good friend bernard critier uh wonderful little restaurant uh and then did the classic apprenticeship and it was i loved it i mean i just couldn't get enough of it and then my journeyman stuff, I even worked two two jobs. I'd work during the day uh, at a place that made charcuterie in Dallas. Uh, I made all the pate for Marty's and at a lot of the hotels downtown. And then I worked at Angeli at the Mandalay Four Seasons for about a year and then worked at the uh, Frenchman with the Adolphus, which was super exciting. Uh, and then started traveling around Scottsdale and Dallas and other yeah. places. In the it was, it, was it mostly been... Oh, you know, you mentioned it's mostly French cuisine. Like, what, why French cuisine first or French chefs? Well, French cuisine is probably the most structured and has the most, I mean, and okay. if you go to Europe, I mean, that if you learn the base of French cuisine, you can do any other cuisine. So, I mean, ah, okay. uh, you know, maybe the nuances you'd have to learn, but French is such a good base for cuisine. Sure. And uh, I really love the food. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I was not that familiar with a lot of things and you know veal kidneys and stuff like that but like everything mm -hmm. was just an eye-opening exciting new adventure so i really got into it so yeah have you been over to france to paris to, to see yeah that? several times actually i travel around the world representing food for the southern united states i took over the the restaurant that was the tallest restaurant in the world in singapore for for two months and they did my menu i trained their staff uh, wow. i stayed there for a month uh I went to China and Hong Kong for a month, uh, teaching Western style chefs food, you know, so that, so, you know, cause they, they may take the products and make it like they do in China, which if you're a yeah. Western style, they want to, they, people want to eat something that's familiar. So I did master chef classes for, uh, Chinese chefs to do classic, more, more normal American fare, I guess you would yeah. say. And we use product in the United States, but uh, set up a cafe in the Paris Exhibition Center for five days. Uh, was in, uh, in The Hague, actually. Uh, set up a big tent in the uh, U.S. Ambassador's backyard, uh, a huge mansion. And we we filmed, did radio, a MasterChef class for 200 chefs. Uh, and it was a blast. I mean, it was, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's, I'm a lucky man. This has been a great profession. I was going to say, it sounds amazing. You've been all yeah. around the world. That's, uh, yeah. that's phenomenal. And then, I mean, how, like, what, what brings you to Oklahoma then? Like, how, how do you go from traveling? Obviously, I mean, COVID's not letting anyone travel, but, you know, of all the opportunities and all the people that you've met and all the places that you've been, you could have gone so many other places, I'm sure. Why, why here? Well, I love Oklahoma, and uh, one, when, when I was living in Dallas and Scottsdale and stuff, I wanted a couple acres in the country because, you know, when you're around people all the time, you want to be able to get away. And really, there is no country in Scottsdale, and unless you're going to a billion dollars, and Dallas just goes on forever. So uh, when, in, when they got liquor by the drink in Oklahoma, and we got the new racetrack, and it was around the time of Centennial. Uh, it just seemed like so many things were converging that would make it attractive to me for me to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was about the oil bus time, but other than that, it was, it was a great time to come back, and it was a great time to be able to, uh, you know, people are great here, and you know, really, we have great 
our, our customers have great palates. I mean, they travel all over, try exciting things. When they're here, they like to have kind of more feet on the ground type of food, but it doesn't mean they don't appreciate, you know, really well-crafted food and, and quality ingredients and things like that. So, so that's been, you know, it, it, it wasn't a hard choice to stay in Oklahoma. Yeah. So, so then you, you know, you get here and then, you know, you, you make all the right connections and, and you just start opening up restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then through the apprenticeship, I, I started training chefs uh, the same way I was. It's a two and a half year program. Uh, you know, we work every six months, you go up station. Well, I had 45 chefs go through that program and complete it. Uh, and there was towards the end, uh, they didn't have a culinary certification program. So uh, the employment commission came and we wrote the criteria for being certified apprentice in culinary. Uh, and so I've got a, you know, a handful of guys that are certified in culinary uh, apprenticeship. So it's been uh, you know, great. And all those guys are still keeping touch in and uh, they'll still drop everything and help me when I need them. <laughs> so it's been yeah, that's really cool. As a lot of the, you said the, the 45 chefs that have come through, uh, are any of them still local? Did they stay local? Oh, a lot of them are my own comp- my competition. you got uh, <laughs> Kevin Lee over here, Chad Willis. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, Eric Smith's over at BZD's, uh, there's too many to mention here. We, matter of fact, right here at Bast, I, I'm, I'm actually director of operations up here gotcha. and executive chef and executive sous chef is Paul Langer and sous chef is Matt Johnson. And they're both former apprentices. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's, there, there's still quite a few around. So, and it's great. And it's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, we still have that camaraderie and a lot of people that come to Oklahoma are just, in, in the restaurant are shocked at how how much camaraderie we have it's not a com- yeah. not a competition for us we share ingredients you know work together uh there's so many other places where it's just you know uh it's not mm-hmm. not pleasant like it is here so luckily we've got a good chef community and a good restaurant yeah. community so that's amazing uh so everyone says like i mean i i'm not you know, I like food, but my wife would tell me that my palate's terrible and I have no understanding of flavor, uh, being that I've come from the UK and our food's pretty bland for the most part. Um, but Oklahoma City is obviously restaurant industry is very, very good the last 10 years. What has it been like on your side? Someone who's in the profession, who sees it, who understands it, and has a valued opinion. What is it like seeing the food grow in Oklahoma City? And then when you hear someone like me who's not in the industry say oh Oklahoma City's restaurant is really good because we just hear that going on and that's kind of what's out there and this restaurant's popping up what is it actually like on your side it's fantastic uh you know because I've worked with a lot of people that grow things make things that you know aren't sustainable just I use them and uh you know, a lot of people have picked up the the gauntlet and ran with it. Now we have great neighborhoods of food. I mean, before there was like one neighborhood, you know, a restaurant row over there was really good, unique food. Now we have several places to go really, you know, from, from the highest end to, to super casual to street tacos. And uh, I just think it's amazing. You know, the, the thing that keeps us a little bit uh, when you compare uh, New York City or San Francisco and Oklahoma City, the big thing, we can make food just as delicious. And I've eaten great dishes that compare in, in those cities. We just don't have as much tourism. So uh, in those bigger cities, you know, 80% of the restaurants 
80% of the people going to the restaurants are tourists from somewhere that had, had made a point to make a reservation. And when they fly in there, they're going to eat and they're going to spend the money and do those things. So like 80% of ours are probably regulars or, or locals, you know, so yeah. it's a little different uh, volume wise. Uh, and that's probably the one thing that we have to work with. But on the other hand, uh, so many people eat in our restaurants are our friends and, you know, we, we know each other, we keep up with, with each other. And um, I did my first post, you know, first cooking class I've done in over a year because of the pandemic. And I mean, I, I keep it to 30 people. There was 28 familiar faces and I do almost everybody by name. And I knew just how hard a time to give them to have fun. And so it, it's a, it's a, it's great to be in a smaller space, but financially you'd be better to have a lot more tourists, which, you know, sure. with, the, with this new convention center and bigger hotels and stuff that, that potentially it's going to happen. Yeah. Tourists. Let's go in the right direction. I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, yeah, that, that's good to hear. That's good to hear that our food quality is the same as places that you would go and you would travel to, like I said, New York, San Francisco and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it, it clearly lives up to the hype of, you know, there's nothing better than having your own raving fans. Right. And, and oh, yeah. telling, you know, telling the city that tells everyone, who lives out of out of the city or out of state? Hey, you need to come and try this. And um, what for you? Obviously, vast is is you know the primary, and you love being there, and would tell anybody probably to come to you. But other than vast, what are the other kind of restaurants that you would go to for that big city experience with the food? It's you know, like you just mentioned, it's this, it's on par with you know New York or San Francisco. Well, I mean, it's so many places aren't that aren't just on the fancy end, you know. Like, like mm -hmm. you know, we we have uh, none such and gray sweater. They're doing the very high end stuff, but we have really good chef driven. You know, like one of my restaurants, the Hutch, is is a good chef driven, comfortable, casual place. Uh, uh, you know, I'm also involved with Sushi Neko Musashi, so you have great Japanese food. Uh, you know, my, my buddy, Michelle is at the uh, Bistro of Alaba Gap with his brother, Alon. Uh, it's a lot of fun to go to. Uh, you know, sometimes big city doesn't mean it's fancier. It just means it's done well and comfortable sure. too. So like a lot of in the cities, if you live in a city, you're probably dining at your local place that, that you feel really good at. So we've got a lot of those. I mean, and you know, Jeff at Goro and, uh, man, there's just so many good places. I have so many good friends. I mean, Patrona over here, Stella. Uh, there's so many. It's, yeah. it's, 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 there's so many. It's You know, you have to break your mind to figure out where you want to go eat. This is too many right. Like, what kind of food do I want? And then yeah, break yeah. that down and go that route. That's really, really good to hear. It's, um, you know, it, it's like for me when my parents come to town and I'm always like, okay, we need to eat at these places this time because we didn't the last time. Cause we have to what the exact point you just mentioned, we didn't fit them in because there's just so many. Um, yeah. what, well, I always say support your local independent restaurants, especially mine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Come get in that elevator and get to the top. Um, so for, for you, what, um, what restaurant, what kind of, not restaurants, what like type of food um, do you not get to cook that much that you really wish you cooked more? Uh, well, my favorite thing is to cook outside of a wood. And uh, during summer, I get to do a lot of it, but I could do it more, a lot more often too. I mean, I'll, I'll babysit turkeys on Thanksgiving overnight. And uh, I like, I mean, there's something really great about uh, that natural uh, you know, smoky, 
component and being outside cooking is, is another, you know, just helps your appetite and, you know, got a bottle of rosé next to the grill and that's, that's a pretty good day for me. Yeah. <laughs> we do, we do a deal in Tulsa where uh, it's called uh, wine and swine. And uh, we go up and cook a whole pig at the tavern up there. And everybody knows I like to drink rosé. So there's this ice bucket and we brings five bottles of rosé. We sit, drink, face the pig and drink a little rosé. Right. It's a heck of a day. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. When is that coming up? That sounds like a lot uh, of fun. That is going to be in April. Uh, actually, Chef Ben just shot me the date. It's April 20-something. But you can go to McNelly's group and they'll, they'll have it posted. Okay. And they actually block off the street and put up picnic tables in the street. So it's a good... Awesome pandemic-ish type deal too so yeah you know yeah, right side yeah uh well main topic obviously of today is talk about you know this year's chef's feast um what you know basically i mean why do you participate in chef's feast and, and what has it been like being a part of, of the chef's feast community well first of all the food bank does such a fantastic job i mean it's clean it's so uh, efficient at what it does and, and they're great people down there and actually, I chaired the very first event they did in 1988, and it was called Share Our Strength at that time. And it was a national uh, uh, event. And uh, I went uh, to Washington, D.C. and met with uh, Jean-Louis Peladan, Stephen Piles, uh, I mean, kind of a who's who of chefs from around the country to kind of coordinate to uh, make this work. And, and it was... Uh, was it called taste, taste, taste of elegance? I can't remember what it share mm-hmm. strength, taste, taste of elegance, what it's called. So, uh, and it was all the same day across the nation. Well, we did that for several years, but the problem is the food bank put in so much energy, but they wouldn't know if they would get the money until the very, you know, mm-hmm. until they've already committed all their energy to do it. So, uh, to take that component out of there, we went ahead and made it a local, uh, a local event called chef's feast. And uh, it's just a, you know, for chefs, it's the easiest thing for us to do. I mean, you know, restaurant business, most of the time is not a high margin profitable business. So for us to create food and create special things and, and use that to raise money, is really the best way. I mean, that's, uh, we get satisfaction from feeding people successfully. And uh, if we can do that and raise money for the food bank and feed a lot of people, uh that's that's just a great reason to do it yeah it's, it's, uh, and and being there at the event right you get to hang out with everyone who you're friends with and all the community oh, yeah. even people you've yeah. already trained too yeah oh yeah a lot of times uh yeah. and then I, I remember the first one uh and i was at the hotel and i had the stovepipe hat and i got a picture of me and henry bellman looking at a, this big apple tart i made and it was uh, well it looks like it was a hundred years ago <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a hundred years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, I mean, every uh, you know, every year is different, right? And and and, and I'm not really. Sh- I don't think we they've announced the theme yet. But what has been some of the favorite dishes that you've made in the past? Ooh, that's hard because I do I do a lot of things like this, and I do a lot of menus. But uh, really, the the kind of the coolest thing is Linda Lee. Uh, my managing partner at Irma's Burger Shack and my wife, Jane and David Henry, the chef at the coach house and now the hutch 
they would take the theme seriously. So they would have a lot of fun with it. So, uh, you know, now that I'm overseeing several places, it's harder for me to commit to two days to, to be there, but, uh, I just try to get support them, but, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to see them have fun with it. So, mm -hmm. uh, and there's always somebody's going to come up with something. It's, there's a little bit of friendly competition there. So it's, it's yeah. always cool to see what somebody does and, and, and you know, using, you know, having the same parameters that you have. Uh, and I think it's uh, more than, more than the food I've done. It's fun to see what everybody else has done, you know? So, right. I can't putting the planche out there, uh, you know, looks dangerous as hell, but makes really delicious food. And, uh, you know, a hundred pound piece of iron out there, but yeah, yeah. So, so it's fun stuff like that. You know? Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I mean, we're really excited for it this year and, and they do such a great job, as you mentioned. Um, last question for, for, for people listening, uh, you know, why do you think it's important to be an advocate for the regional food bank and, and for the kids program as well? Uh, because to try times like these, especially, I mean, it's, uh, I think it's just in our nature. I mean, this is, yeah. uh, we're, we work together. We take care of everybody. I mean, uh, it's, it's not a hard decision to make. I think it's good. And for people that, to come to this event too, one thing that's, we've always tried not to do is try to stand behind a table and have you be like this. We usually do round tables or we make it so that, you know, the chefs and, and everybody are mixing up. I mean, pandemic, I don't know what they're going to do next, but, but we always kind of made it. So you're in, you're there. You can ask a question, you yeah. can see the stuff, smell the stuff, sizzling and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, but when the result is feeding these people and helping them, I mean, how great is that? I mean, that's uh, yeah. somebody you're keeping from, uh, going to school hungry and, uh, mm -hmm. you can't beat that. Yeah. Well, um, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing some quick stories. I uh, really sure. appreciate your time. I know Oklahoma City and Oklahoma and Tulsa is lucky to have you. And I'm sure that the, the mouths that you feed are extremely happy when they're eating their food, uh, whether, it's they better be. any, <laughs> whether it's at Vast or any of the other restaurants. Uh, what last last thing would, you know, people want to reach out to you. They want to maybe take a cooking class or they want to, you know, just a new chef that might be listening to this that, that's, you know, young and then just wants to get in the mix how do they reach out uh it's it's good to go to the western concepts website or vast website and begin there or you can uh uh i'm on facebook and instagram you could you know send me a message over there i don't messenger i don't have but uh uh you know you can reach out and ask sure. something on theirs awesome. it's an easy way to do it yeah for everyone listening i'll put those links down in the description below and they can they can go there and, and head straight your way but uh, again thanks for coming on the podcast and thanks for having yeah, me we'll uh, hopefully i'll meet you in person and try some of this delicious food sometime soon sounds good it's fun talking thank you awesome thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories for more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.